Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. What's their mystique? Nothing stops these people. Don't stop. Welcome to Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso. You're about to meet some of the most amazing people. They've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds. They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events, and emerged triumphantly. They're people just like you and me, and they're winners. Are you unstoppable? Here's Frankie to show you how. Well, welcome, everybody, to Mission Unstoppable Radio. As you can see, I've got two amazing guests with me today. Uh, four years ago, Brenda Coulter, Brenda, you can just wave your hand. I know you're the only woman there. But uh, she was driving on a freeway when a piece of metal shattered her windshield, shearing off half of her face. And miraculously, Brenda was able to safely pull her car off to the side. She was stabilized at a local hospital and then airlifted to Sunnybrook Hospital, a major trauma center in Toronto, Canada, where she underwent a 15-hour life-saving surgery to rebuild her skull and much of her face, using her driver's license as a reference. As you can see, Brenda lost her left eye, and her right has um, extreme damage to the cornea and the optic nerve. Now, she worked for 35 years in the beauty industry as a color technician, so you can imagine life is a little bit different, and we're going to find out all about this unstoppable woman. David Morrison sitting with us today is a certified, one of a few certified clinical anaplastologists, and he is one of two at Sunnybrook's Hospital for the Cranial Facial Prosthetic Unit, also known as CPU. He originally received his dental technology training as an apprentice in Sheffield, England, and his subsequent maxillofacial training at Manchester Metropolitan University, also in England. He worked for three years at Northampton's General Hospital's uh, maxillofacial unit in the UK before immigrating to Canada. He worked at Princess Margaret Hospital, and later he transferred to Sunnybrook's craniofacial prosthetic unit, where now he has worked for the past 19 years. David wears many hats in that department, from initial patient interviewing to treatment planning and all stages of prosthetic construction to the follow-up. And he is their go-to guy, I hear, for health slots on TV and, and doing different channels in the GTA. So welcome, both of you. I really love having you two here on the show. Brenda, I'm just going to start with you for a moment. Um, can you take us back? It's almost four years to the day, really, another, yeah. another week or so. June 20th. And, you know, when this accident happened four years ago, uh, how did you manage? Like, okay, you, were you in the car alone? Yes. What kind of car were you driving? Um, it was my, it was a little Honda, uh, Hyundai Elantra, I believe it was called. Wow. So a little car and were you behind a transport truck or? No, I was just driving in regular traffic, um, going on a highway, a local highway and, um, just going along the, um, the spring that came through my windshield was just flying through the air. I don't know. I did not see it coming. I did not um, see any truck or anything in front of me. From what I understand is that it was just flew up off the ground. So, or it came came up a truck that was quite a ways ahead. Went through the windshield. Yeah. It went, it boomeranged through the windshield and pierced me in the face. And pierced you in the face. And you were able to safely get your car to the shoulder of the road. Well, I actually didn't pull to the shoulder. I just stopped in the lane I was in. It was 9.30 in the morning, so it was commuter traffic. Sure, so busy, busy. I, I suspect I was probably doing about 80 kilometers an hour, maybe 90, wow. not much faster than that. Wow. Uh, still a lot to, to handle 80 kilometers an hour when something, you know, traumatically hits you in the face and obviously it scared you as much as it hurt you. Yeah. Wow. wow. And how, how soon did an ambulance get to you? Well, I, I'm going to have to share that I don't remember. I don't remember stopping the car. This is just information that has sure. been passed on and shared with me. Um, I stopped. I was actually even speaking for a few minutes when people realized what happened around me. They came running over and I spoke for a few minutes and then I went into shock. Of course. Yeah. Um, yeah so the first responders would have been there very quickly. That's, you know, one thing I have to say about here is that we, um, have great services in that way. And I was taken to a local hospital where I was stabilized 
and thank heavens. And I'd always, I'd like to say whoever the on-call doctor in that ER was, he gave me a trach. So oxygen continued because I did have three bleeds on the brain and it would have been a totally different outcome. So, you know, thank you, whomever that was. And then I was- Do you know what hospital you went to before Sunnybrook? Yes, the hospital I went to, yeah. Which one was it? It was Mississauga, Ontario, uh, Credit Valley Hospital. Great hospital. Oh, phenomenal, yeah. And they put me through the OR there. And like I said, whoever that wonderful, fast-thinking emergency room doc was, it, it, it- Different outcome if that had not occurred. And then 15, I was aired up to Sunnybrook. 15-hour surgery. Yeah. David, can, can you shine any light on 15 hours of reconstructing her face? Not a, not a great deal, to be honest, because my expertise is technical, not surgical. Right. But the head and neck surgeons would have worked in teams. Um, it's, when you're actually in the OR, it's, uh, the, the concentration that goes on is, is something to behold. Um, you know, people are coming and going and, uh, you know, they don't notice. They, they don't notice the time. Nope. Nothing. Go by and uh, it's something to behold. So you said, I think I read that three quarters of your face now is titanium. Yes. Wow. Two thirds to three quarter. Yeah. My jaw was wired shut for um, nine weeks and, um, you know, I've had uh, extensive reconstruction. I also have uh, the neurologist. So across the skull, you know, across the top here, I also have a titanium plate. So 12 surgeries. Yesterday was 13. Mm-hmm. Wow. I think so. I think that's the number. How, how do you keep your humor? How do you keep your positive outlook? I just get up, put one foot in front of the other and move forward. Um, it's, it's, it is what it is. I think a big part of that is just my personality and my nature. I don't think about, you know, what if, you know, why did this happen to me? I don't think those Never once thought that. Yeah, there, there's no purpose to that. I just do what I need to do. And I have a phenomenal team around me. The team at Sunnybrook is just phenomenal. So it's an, it was a, it's an easier process when you have that kind of support system and networking around you. So I, a lot of times it would just flow, you know, when I left sort of ophthalmology and then went into the plastic surgery, you know, right. And he's the plastic surgeon, the one that said, okay, you're ready for your prosthetic, you know, and then I go over to this prosthetic clinic and then over there, you know, David made my prosthetic. And then we learned about this new um, system with the titanium to get the magnets in. So it's, it's you're the first person at Sunnybrook to have this surgery. Sorry. You were the first person Yes. In Sunnybrook and in, is it in the world or in, in yeah. Canada? In the no, world. In the world. Wow. She, Brenda was the first person within the EMRP program, actually, to clear that up. Uh, okay. We've been doing this for, the, the implant system has been around uh, since the 1990s, pretty much. And, right. Uh, there's always been a cost associated with it. It isn't for everyone. Some people mm. have uh, had radiation and they're not candidates for it. Uh, the implants don't. They're made with titanium, and the titanium bonds to the bone, and it fuses. It becomes actually bonded. It's discovered by accident, like a great many things in life, like the you know the Mars bar in the in the technician's pocket as he went, went past the microwave machine, and it melted. You know, it's, it was the same thing uh, with this. Where um, uh, research was being done on on um, rabbits and breaking bones and splinting them back together again. And the experiment was over, and it was time to take out the titanium uh, implants, and they wouldn't come out. They, they'd fused. And so that's, that was a huge uh, discovery. And uh, in the early 1990s was when the craniofacial implants were um, really developed. Uh, they've been around for dental implants. They're a derivative. The dental implants. I was going to say it's similar to the dental implant. Much the dental implants are much longer. Right. They have to deal with the forces of mastication. And, but, and they're not magnetic, are they? They're not magnetic. No, they're non-magnetic. And titanium is inert. And so it, it, you know, they don't rust or anything like that. And then the, the hardware that goes on top is um, either titanium or gold. Again, because it's inert, it doesn't rust. How long was, was, would the, um, the post have to be in to heal before you could do your step? Uh, the fixtures are in for about three months. Generally, sometimes they can be left a little longer if it's in the case of a congenital deformity or um, just just to hedge your bets. 
really it's a, it's a bone so this new system is 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 really good at figuring out where there's good bone or where you might be able to do a placement that's right and so we do um we do templates treatment planning with radio opaque acrylic and uh, and that's what it is and uh, yeah and so brenda is unique in that she had a guidance system for the surgeons um that hasn't been done anywhere before wow and so it, they don't just place the position they place the angle the a- actual angle of insertion is very important uh for, for me at my end and uh, it, it's often very difficult for certain surgeons to, to do what we want um and so this has been an, this has been a boon for, for everyone. so it's really changed your your working life so yeah. to speak makes life a lot easier we can get a much better outcome and uh, we're able to get the, the the fixtures placed exactly where we want them at the angle that we want now is that 3d unit um that designs it almost like a cad i guess i don't know is that new is that different for you it's a development of existing technology um, right there are treatment planning uh, abilities that, that, that are out there for surgeons and um, and this one is unique in as, as much as it's a, it's a new software program and it's utilization. I'm not going to get into the technicalities of it um, to send all your, your viewers to sleep, but uh, it is unique. It has not been done before. So previous in, in your previous life, let's say 18 years ago, was this all done by hand, like, like a, 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 wax, a wax mold kind of thing? or it was, it, the, the implants were fit, fitted by uh, gifted surgeons. Basically, uh, these these our fixtures used to be placed by uh, a very good surgeon. Who was he was a very good cutter, shall we say? You know, he just had a good way. Um, but I'm talking about the, your design of the of, of an ear and eye. Was that all hand? Like you were an artist? Uh, yeah, yeah. In many ways, yes. It's as much as science as it is an art. Yeah. yeah. And Brenda, you um you you wrote or I read that um. Sometimes when you put your eye on now, the one that you had, mm-hmm. is that the first one or is that a second eye? How many have you had? It's my first. That was your first. Prosthetic. That yeah. sometimes it was a little bit haphazard and your husband would tell you that it's not quite straight. Yes. I, with my visual impairment, it's very hard for me to, yeah. get it, uh, to, to get the placement accurate. And if you don't have it, if it's not sitting where it should be, then the edges will lift and it'll gap. Uh, the eyes don't look level and proportionate, you know? So, and then yes, it come, I'd come out and say, Oh, it's not crooked or it's not sitting straight or, um, it's gapping here. So it was, um, it was tricky for me. And it was put on with some sort of a glue or, or yeah, yeah. it was a bonding adhesive. So I would just, um, use a Q-tip and put it all around the edges, get a blow dryer and go over it until it's clear and then place it on. Wow. It, it, it's, um, for did it me, hurt your skin? Did it, did it like burn your skin or? No, no, no I, I, everything is very safe. Um, I didn't have any concerns that way. Uh, for me, it was at least a half an hour to 45 minute process because I do a couple of dry runs before I put the adhesive on ah. and try different things. But, you know, my vision is, um, you know, I do have a little bit of vision and it, it can fluctuate. Right. And of right. course, you know, when I, get up there you know I just don't see some things very well you know I need contrast especially to see yeah and David you designed that first eye uh yes we we made and fitted it here at Sunnybrook yeah and and it was a medical grade adhesive that we mm-hmm, use mm-hmm. and that's um that's what a great many patients use it's it has to be thought of in the same terms as like movie prosthetics sure they, they have one if you if you look at the the how-to extras on DVDs and stuff, uh, you'll see the makeup uh, pieces. And uh, they have a brand, which we have, but we also have that. I think we have four others. Yeah. With a different strength. And, because every, everyone is a little bit different. Some people have dry skin. Some people have oily skin. Some people sure. have lifestyle. Some people have very sedentary lifestyle. Uh, some people work in fields. Some people work in air-conditioned offices. Um, some people travel a lot. Um, some people don't do anything at all. And, and, and so we tail, tailor the, 
these glues so that they, the patient... You could go swimming with it on, could you? You can. Yeah. yeah. Once you've got the right one, but they are, um, they are time-consuming uh, because you have to, it takes time to put the glue on in the morning. You have to peel it off at night. Um, you have, placement is, is critical. You know, you have to get the right height. And on an ear especially, you have to get the right height, the right lateral position, the right rotation. And unfortunately, you don't have an ear, uh, sorry, an eyeball right here in your temple, so you can see in the mirror to see what you're doing. Yeah. At the bridge of your nose, you have binocular vision. Um, so you lose your depth perception. So it's very difficult to, to fit an, an ear. And it, if it's a, a nose or an eye, if, for somebody who has um, vision issues or manual dexterity issues, uh, it's very critical to get the placement absolutely correct. And if it doesn't, if you rush the job or you just can't get that uh, placement quite right, it will come loose or can come loose, certainly. And so it's a much better option to be able to have a, a retention system, system that is much more snap and go. It can only fit in the one true place it's supposed to go. And uh, it, it, there's none of the... Well, you still have to keep it clean, but it, it's not the hard work. It's not the laborious issue. Of, like it'll just take you like a minute now. Just go. Yes, it'll just take a minute to, to clean. And because you're not working the glue off, they last longer. You're not ripping edges. And uh, it's it's a much, much better system. Because using the glue, the, the, the novelty wears off as the years go by. So what is, what is this prosthetic made out of? It's what? made of a, a medical-grade silicon. A silicon. Yeah. And... How obviously her eyes are going to be the same. You, you've looked at her, you've got the color, you've got the, the different dimensions and she's going to look like she's got the same eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also silicone, the eye. Like, is that paint or how do you do that? The, the ocular itself is made of acrylic. Okay. You think of it as a glass eye. Okay. We don't make those. Right. <laughs> it's people like myself from the UK with my training, they do make them, mm-hmm. but I do not. Okay. I firmly believe that in order to be excellent at oculars, you want to send it to an ocular or somebody who's a specialist because they do these things all day, every day. Yeah. Although, you know, I was trained to make them once upon a time, a long time ago in my initial training, I'd be, I feel I'd be, I'd be doing my patients a disservice for me to make that. Ocular. Okay. So we send it out to a professional and then that comes back to us. And once we, we check it, check the iris, we check the sclera, which is what you think of the white of the eye. Sure. Once we we're happy with the veining in the character, uh, then I proceed to make the actual prosthesis, which is the silicon part. And that houses the ocular, or what you would think of as the glass eye, although it's not glass. And how you were, obviously you guys have worked together. Brenda, you worked with David to, yes. he showed you how to put it on and yeah. what to do. How, how long was that process like how many times did you have to see with him, see him and fit it and well the the manufacturing it you know he, when i went in we meet we do the interview he did the molding um i don't recollect david how many well, visits were the because it's it's the process like i show up he has to do a certain amount and then he has to do the prep work you sure. know, and then I come back again so I, I don't recollect how many visits it tends to be about eight days eight working days um that's eight full days of my time not the patient's time uh, if you would think about it on a monday tuesday wednesday of one week uh that would be the patients coming in monday tuesday and a wednesday and that involves uh initial discussion let them know exactly what i'm going to be doing and then there'll be an impression and then i, I make a, a cast that I, so i have a working cast to work from with a copy of whatever defects I could I have. And then I start carving and sculpting, whether it's ears, noses, eyes, foreheads, side of heads, whatever. And then you just keep on going with that until it's done, until it's there is no set time for uh, how long these things take. They take as long as they take. Sure, yeah. But they, you know, a, a sculpt, basically, a couple of days. And we, there's also a, a time spent color matching the silicons. Yep. Silicon is a, it's a bland of, of vaguely opaque material, vaguely translucent. Um, and so we add colors to it, um, pigments and veinings. 
And like that's not easy. I'm an artist, and, and and you know when I do people, I know how difficult skin is just to paint skin, right? Get skin tone and and all that. So I can even imagine your job. And light is difficult too. I mean, as you can see behind me, we've got the lovely canopy of trees. We've got some lovely window, but the canopy of trees is behind me. Yeah. Spring is now sprung, and so my room, as lovely as it is, now has a green pool of light. Right. And as you would know, green cancels out your perception of red. So I, I would paint my patients in here and talking, oh, it's beautiful. It's, oh, it's lovely. Let's just have a look outside in the in the fire exit, which is all natural light. And it would be way too red. It would be like, oh, I've got to take everything off. You know, take it all off or cancel it down with some green, maybe a little green blue. Yeah. Whatever it needs. And so there's a lot of, and our, the lights in here are color corrected, but one company's color correction light is not another, one brand to another. Um, you walk out into the corridor there, and the lights are very orange. You go into, mm-hmm. uh, into our receptionist, where the patients go to do out the paperwork, and everything's very peachy in there. So the, the lights are always very varying. So we have to um, shuffle our patients around. We entry into the fire exit, and here, lights on, lights off. Just trying to find that nice, happy medium. Yes. Yeah. Wow. That's that's pretty incredible. That's pretty incredible. And you're happy with your prosthetic, Brenda, the first one? Oh, it's fabulous. I have it here. Yeah, let's, let's it's see. It's fabulous. Sorry? Can you show it? Yes. The, um, oh, there's, it's just, and it's, it's held up really well. It's in phenomenal shape, like, and it's very natural. You'd never know. Wow, look at that. And you just, I've got to be mindful because I've yeah. got stuff there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Wow. You know, it's it like a puzzle around. And, and, you know, when it's all applied and done as it should, it just fades right into the skin. Imagine, uh, yeah. You don't, you wouldn't know it's there. I, if you were staring at me, you know, um, yeah, then you it's might seamless. It, it's seamless once it's on. Yeah. And then, you know, in the eye, the ocular is very similar to mine. Like, and even the shape, you know, I, this isn't a nut because my eye was, this is what I was saved. It's not the natural. It's got a bit. Sure. You know, so we put a little bit of, a little bit of one on there. So it looks, you, you wouldn't know it. It's just, it's incredible, you know? So are you going to use the same one now for the snap on and just I, change I, the back on it? Or are you making a new one? Um, I think I eventually I'll get a new one. I think from what I understand, um, I have to confirm this with David that we're going to, cause I, I, my husband was speaking with one of the docs yesterday that we were going to try and put some of the magnets on this one, David. It'll be an all-new prosthesis. Oh, there you go. See, he knows. It has to be. We'll use that one as a template mm-hmm. yeah. for a starting point. Yeah. Um, but no, it's going to be a whole new prosthesis because the hardware is going to dictate that we have to uh, have some hardware to retain the new prosthesis. This one sure. is with, with glue. And like I said, it, it looks lovely when it goes in and it's, all, it's in the right place and it's sealed down with glue. Uh, the other beautiful thing about the implant system is that it doesn't sit inertly on the skin. The margins are actually pushing down very gently just onto the skin. And so it creates a nice seal. And, um, and they're, they're very thin. We can get them super thin because we don't need the thickness uh, of the silicon. So we, you know, we're not worried so much about the strength, the tear strength. Right. Lower the durometer just slightly so that it's got uh, a lovely margin. Translucent and it can blend much nicer, and it'll be pushing down just just a little bit on the skin where on the outer edges, and no nowhere else, just on the outer, and that's all incorporated into the design. I mean, there's a lot to think about because it's not like a vase that you know you put a piece in and it's done or a puzzle. She smiles, it moves, her cheekbone moves. Oh, it's it's tricky uh, because people, you know, you, you'll see a patient come in in the morning, and they're very, you know, they've had their coffee, they've had their tims, and they're ready to go and. <laughs> <laughs> these appointments can last all day i mean over in radiation i don't know we probably see about 70 patients a year but radiation in the atrium there they probably get through 70 in the morning oh wow yeah um, patients they sit here the, the appointments last for days and the carving and the sculpting and they're sitting here and they come in and they're all perky they've had their coffee and let's get going and then you know I'm, i have music going constantly in here whatever age they are i mean if they're veterans Playing the 1940s, <laughs> you know, it's all tailored to them, and uh, yeah, and vinyl as well. And we can, you know, we chat and we listen to music, and it's all very easy and nice and relaxing. And but for some people, it's too relaxing, and they, they start falling asleep, you know. And especially the elderly, the elderly don't sleep too well either, you know. 
And so they come here and they, then they relax and then they start falling asleep. And so I start carving and sculpting and, and the eye, as I'm, as I'm going, you know, we'll, we'll, I don't take breaks as I go, you know, I just keep on going. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I'll, I'll, I'll walk out, I'll just grab a coffee, just come right back and I'll sit down and, and I, I'll realize that what I've carved and sculpted is, is far too perky. <laughs> it's so much more relaxed. So then I have to adjust that and make it much more relaxed. And then you know, I'll say, well, I'll see you tomorrow. Let's, let's just have another look. And then, of course, they come back and they're all wide awake. And this nice, relaxed eye just doesn't match the other. So, uh, and some people's eyelids, they change with their thoughts, never mind their emotions. You know, I can see the, the hood retracting. Yeah. What were you thinking about just then? Nothing. You must have been thinking everything has changed. And so, you know, it's, it's a challenge to actually find that happy medium. And uh, in cases like Brenda, for instance, where um, the landmarks of her, her facial anatomy have changed so mm-hmm. much, her, her companion eye is elongated and slightly different now. There's a, there's a fine balance as well, so that people want symmetry, um, but in certain cases, you don't want to go for symmetry because that accentuates the facial difference that's... Yeah. And so where you can't go for symmetry, it's something to work for to go for character. And, and so in Brenda's case, yes. I like that character. The the companion eye is elongated, whereas this would be the ideal. And so I just changed it into a happy medium. It's like when I'm making ears for somebody and somebody's missing an ear. uh, I always like to make it just slightly tucked in on the prosthesis side. So if anyone's going to notice a sticky out ear, they'll notice the real one. Sure color match their skin to the complexion has no margin and everything's great and this one flies under the radar and that's what what we're all about here we're just trying to get people flying underneath the radar of uh, a curious public or did your eye i'm sorry did your eye include the eyebrow or no 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 okay that's my natural eyebrows if i have any there <laughs> no because i was just thinking you know as we age all that brow comes down a little bit and then You'll have to, well, she have to get a new eye because the socket shit would change, would it not, David? Uh, it can do. Um, generally, it changes based more with uh, body mass index, I find. Um, and of course, people have recurrences. We, we're in the cancer center here. Right. Uh, now, and so we, we see people who are recurring with cancer. Uh, some people lose weight, gain weight, depending on what else is going on in their lives. And so you, you're constantly chasing uh, the anatomy as well. Wow. We're often chasing the disease. And so, you know, the patients are recurring. They're going back to the surgeons. They're having more of their nose removed, more of you know, larger, bulkier grafts, and then they have to wait for that to settle down. And, uh, and then we're, we're constantly remaking these things. And many you're, you're from Britain. Did you, did you know of Nigel Vardy? Did you know Nigel? Have you heard of him? No. Yeah. Nigel was, was a Brit who, he was one of my first interviews, and he climbed the seven, all, all of the seven highest peaks of mountains in the world and he lost his 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 fingers nose and toes and everything um and he continues to climb he just thought it was great <laughs> but i wondered if he had a if he ever got a nose yeah it's interesting um fascinating fascinating stuff wow brenda you're like on the forefront of technology it's really cool yes well, it's most certainly maintains my quality of life, you know, when you have such a tragic accident, you know, cancer survivors, you know, it's great to have all these, um, these products available to us to normalize, yeah. you know, it's, I mean, walking around looking like this when I'm out, you know, people are kind, people are wonderful, but you do get stared at, sure. you know, so a lot of times, you know, when you got the prosthetic and I'm, I'm just like everybody else, you know, do you, do you wear eye makeup at all? Did, did no. you before you didn't? So uh, yes, I did. Uh, I, I I would be a minimalist. Would be um, okay. I would say I actually had my eyeliner tattooed on. You know the permanent. So I know with this eye, it's like oh, how do you duplicate? But you can't really tell when I'm wearing the prosthetic whether it's yeah. But yeah, I was a minimalist with makeup because otherwise okay. you can't put makeup on the prosthetic. <laughs> no, I just want it would have had to come that way, right? <laughs> yeah. And there's no eyelashes on it either. So. Oh, there's no eyelashes. No. Oh, that's eyelashes. I think the hair would naturally crumble, you know, like our or our regular eyelashes shed. 
yeah. at the time. So I think that would be a real. But um, so there's no, there's no. It doesn't have picture a picture of an eyelash. No. Nope. nope. We often do for some people, but infrequently. And eyelashes look lovely at first, but they can deteriorate. They're the first thing to deteriorate. Uh, if you were like you know, Italian lady with the big lashes, Sophia Loren kind of thing. Yes. We would put them in. But generally, we just paint them in. That's what I meant. They would be paint. It has it painted on, does it not? Yeah, and we. Oh, okay. Our patients to yeah. glasses. Yeah. Uh, as well, uh, because two reasons. Number one, people's uh, attention goes to spectacle frames. It's like I always say, you know, um, to illustrate the point. What color are Michael Caine's eyes? And you'd know Michael Caine. You're a DFT. You know, the younger people you know, struggle a little bit. But you say, what color are Michael Caine's eyes? What color is glasses? Oh, they're black. Uh, are they metal or plastic? Plastic. Uh, are, are they bifocal? Is it one pane? Oh, it's one pane. Yeah. Is it full frame? Oh, yeah, it's full frame. Because they're thinking of Get Carter. They're thinking right. of the file. They're thinking of those, those, all those movies and, and that he used to do. And yeah, they can describe his glasses, but they can't tell me what color his eyes are. Right. And everyone's attention goes to the frame. And it also hides margins. And it also, in Brenda's case, this uh, other lens acts as a safety lens. Yeah. From anything flying in, bugs, chips, stone chippings, gravel chippings, whatever. I mean, yep. you know, that sounds ridiculous, but, you know, how, what are the chances of a leaf spring going through a, a, a car windscreen? <laughs> And uh, one thing Brenda didn't mention about that, which is absolutely remarkable to me when I heard her story, was that she told me that it frosted the windshield, completely frosted it. It didn't shatter and break into a million pieces. It just frosted it. Oh. The shape of the leaf spring in the in the windshield. Wow. The velocity was so great, it didn't, it didn't shatter it like that. It just crazed it. And it went straight through like it had been cut with a butter knife, a hot knife, a wax knife, you know, incredible velocity. So that is crazy. So we do encourage all our patients to wear spectacle frames, no matter whether they need them. Where are your glasses right now, Brenda? In the other room. Not a girl. (laughs) But when I'm out, I do wear them as for protection of my existing eye. Absolutely. And it's also... When I have the prosthetic in, it's a bit of a dis, you know a distraction. It draws your eyes, and you're not staring at me. Sure. If you're looking at me for a long time, you notice that eye doesn't blink. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So there's there's lots of little things you do, and, and it just to keep the face looking normal and natural. Sure. Yeah. And so what what would the cost of of this eye be? Like the ocularist is the eyeball itself. The ocular is separate price from the prosthetic. Okay. Um. I, I know the price range in um, Ontario, yeah. we have something called the ADP adult disability. So they pay 75%. But I, if I recollect my prosthetic, my portion was about 2,500. Wow. So it's at least 8,000 or more. So $8,000 every, every three years, roughly three to five yeah. years. You said that they only last a couple of years. Yeah. David? So but the adults, if, if, if you're, I, the ADP kicks in, so I, I can't, I don't know for sure how often you can replace it, but they would pay 75%. But you're still looking at several thousand dollars out of your own pocket. To for pay. sure. Yeah. And the ocular is um, $2,000 and I had to pay 500 and that's good for five years. Okay. So you replace that every five years. So it, it's expensive. Can you take the ocular out of the uh, prosthesis and put it in another one so you don't have to? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And I take it out at times and I clean it, my little ocular. Oh, well, you can take it out separately. Okay. Yep. I can take it out. I have to polish it from time to time and whatnot, but yep, it'll go with me. <laughs> and I will travel. <laughs> yep. It's in fabulous shape. So I would replace it as needed as I'm sure, you know, a lot of people yeah. would do. And they don't tend to need replacing. It's just basically the, the white of the eyes, you would think of it, tends to be, become a little more dull as decades go by. It becomes a little more blue. Maybe sure. And that can be altered. And yeah. And how, I mean, if you travel, you go south, the sun, you know, a pool, how quickly will that change the color of a prosthetic? 
Uh, well, that's the problem with the prosthetics, that they are not color stable. They, they are designed to, uh, here in Ontario, they are designed to last two years. And that's when the assistive devices program that Brenda mentioned. Uh, yeah. They, they cover the cost 75% of uh, prosthesis every two years. So, so you can't, they will recover you every two years. Every two years. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, or it could be less if you've had more surgery or you've um, lost weight, gained weight and beyond your, your means to control. Right. And that could be signed off as well. But every two years. And the problem is basically not because they tear and they shred too much. It's more the color. There's right. There's an industry is a color stable red. Um, you know, cars posters, clothes, you name it. And, uh, you know, if you think of the, the barber poles that you see outside the barbers, you know, the red and yep. blue, and it's, you often just see the blue and the red is faded out. Our prosthetics are no different. It's always the, the, the reds and the crimson, the allergen crimson that fade out. And so after one year, a patient generally comes back for what we call a color touch-up. And uh, we just adjust the color and bring the back into tone with their complexion and off they go again for another year by which time two years have gone by and then we can make the new one and as long as they've not lost weight gained weight and still like the sculpt and everything is just the way they liked it before uh, we keep their molds we keep their color recipes we keep their swatches and instead of turning them around in about 10 days we can turn them around in about 24 hours wow Brenda. i mean as a, as a colorist you, you should be pretty familiar with color therapy I oh, yes. <laughs> I'm very mindful with my prosthetics because yeah. I do travel you know we um, when we go south I wear, I'll wear my sunglasses when I have it on if I'm sitting in the sun because it may be minimal but every little bit helps absolutely you know to keep yeah. it looking natural and everything as you can if it's really windy or I'm by the ocean in the salt air I would opt not to wear it because I think that would be a little bit more wear and tear than what's necessary sure um but it's it's pretty hardy, you know. Like, it it uh, serves me well. There are certain things they don't like, like chlorine, mm -hmm. like Vaseline. They don't like gasoline. <laughs> uh, I mean, people pump gas and then they're handling their prosthetics. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, I would think you have to have your hands clean a lot. And, and chlorine, if some people like to swim with. I mean, it just washes the color out. Of the does it does it make a difference? Um, if, you, if you were to do um, a colored skin versus a white skin, no, no. just it fades the same. Yep. Everything's does the same. Cause I, I know like, you know, if I do colored skin, it's like a violet and a yellow and you know, yellow is always kind of funny. So I don't know if it works the same way. <laughs> They're all the same. Okay, cool. And um, as far as attitude, David, the, the patients that you see is Brenda unique. In her attitude, I hate to say, it, Brenda, no, you're not unique. Oh, <laughs> I'm hurt. He's very lucky. He gets good people. I'm so sorry to break it to you. You, you, you are a stellar individual. It's, it, there's no doubt about it. But um, often you find that with with certain people, uh, and that's the funny thing about the, the, the people that you encounter in this job that uh, you know, the personalities are also different. And you can't do any of this on an autopilot basis. Uh, just when you, you think you may or whatever, uh, I've always found that, you know, I get a kick in my complacency from, from someone uh, to remind me to give my absolute best. Because if the moment I start, just like a degree, I start, you know, working on autopilot, you know, I get reminded somehow that full attention is what's required. Yeah. And, um, and so you, you engage with every patient uh, because everyone has a story and everyone has a unique uh, personality. And it's funny because you, you see a great many people and they've gone through a cancer journey or they've gone through trauma uh, or they've gone, they were, were born with congenital birth defects or something. And not everyone's equal. And then no. Every, we all, I believe, you know, we all go through this life needing to learn lessons and some people more than others. And, you, you, you treat everyone individually and you see different things in different people. And so uh, you might see a, um, you might see, for example, you might see a, a veteran guy and you know, you know, he went through the war and he was uh, tough, you know, and then he became a farmer and then he kind of married and had kids and he visited a wife beater and a really salty kind of guy. And, uh, and then he gets, you know, his eye removed through cancer and you think, 
party and they'll look at mine, you know, and you can all tough it out. And then you see them at our planning clinic or whatever, and you're, and you're discussing them, you're assessing them, and you're trying to just gently assess them and, and speak to them just to try and unlock them a little bit to try and find out how they're doing. And you'll see, you know, you say, well, have you looked at yourself? Have you, have you seen? Why is that? I go in and out of the bathroom on my hands and knees so that I can look in the mirror. I just don't want to do it. And, and sometimes I, I think I might like to, and you know, I, I get up on the off the floor and I just come up and I just have a look. And I, oh no, no, no! And I, and I go back out and I come. And this is a veteran. This is probably somebody who killed people, and you know, whatever. Can't look at himself. He can't look at himself. And then you meet this. You'll meet an, an old lady, you know, widowed for like forty years, and. Uh, you know, she lives alone with cats, and she has the same thing. And you think, oh, my God. I like your stories, those with cats. She's <laughs> never going to survive if she can't. How is it going to affect her? And then the next thing you know, she started golfing again, and she's improving her game again. And she's. Uh, I think women are tougher. I really kind of do. Yeah. yeah, in many ways. Yeah. And uh, people are always surprising. You know, they, they, they are always surprising you. And uh, it's a testament to the human spirit, really. And uh, it. it Brings out a, an inner strength sometimes, and uh, another there was another patient who you know he, he lost his nose, and uh, you know, it's one of those things you remember. You know, uh, he lost his nose, and he, he, he's grateful. He's grateful, and uh, he said, "I think of you and Doctor Warder every single day." What? Why? Because to me, it's just a, another day. You know, yeah. It's a day in the life. But it's not. It's everything to them. Every day, yeah. He said, "Because I think of Dr. Gilbert, because he took my pain away, and I think of you because you gave him my life." And I was, I never thought, you know, of, of yeah. such a thing. You yeah, know, you know, you just do your best and send these people. Enough. I can absolutely tell you from personal experience that having a committed, good team is is everything in how your patient is going to move forward for the rest of their life. I was in the hospital for six months. And I think you are unique, my dear. I know that you are because, you know, I was asked to go help patients and do things. And um, most people, they're not, they, they go, why me? Oh my God, why did it happen, happen to me? And, but you didn't do any of that. And, you know, that, that just that alone is so big. It really is because it's not about blaming or having blame or taking blame. It's just, it is what it is. And I'm going to move forward from here and do the best I can with what I got left. And that's a, a really great attitude to have. Well, thank you. I call this my second life. Yeah. You know, cause it's just, this changed my, I try to engage in, um, you know, I paint with acrylics and I, I'd like to explore more art um, styles and techniques and what's out there. And I just, do it in a different way, you know. Like I said, I can't do the hair color and the extensions and all the funky things I did, but I can express that aspect of my personality in other ways. So you never painted before? Not really. When I was younger, I would sketch and draw and do all that, and then I just got, you know, very involved in my career, and I enjoyed it so much. Is that your painting behind you, the pink and black? Yes. yes. Beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, I have, a f I actually have quite a few all around and I'm, I'm learning, but I love it. And, um, you know, I have my own, well, art is expression. Yeah. Right. So I yeah. just do my own thing and find the things and I'll, you know, seek out different instructors and try to en enroll in any type of, whether it's just an activity or a class that's available, you know, just explore. Good for you. Yeah. I mean, David, you're an artist. Do you paint or do you anything outside of work? Um, I've been building models since I was six years old. I think a lot of what I do is an extension of that. Like model airplanes and things? With model airplanes. You probably see the, the two on the wall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I do see that. You get the frequently asked questions from so many patients and they say, how did you start? And I, I credit that really uh, because it taught me the importance of uh, being thorough in procedure that uh, if you skip step one and do it badly, it will haunt you through the rest of the construction and all because you brush step one yeah and i learned construction i learned to be thorough i learned my color theory from that uh from mixing my own colors because i couldn't afford to buy all the, the ranges of paint it was quite limited back then and so you know i was looking at, at color and looking at my reference materials in books 
wondering how to make how to tweak these colors to make it look like what I wanted. Yeah, so I learned a great deal from that. Um, I wasn't particularly arty at school, you know. It, it, it's amazing. I look, I think about it now, and uh, I wasn't particularly arty. I always considered myself. People used to say, "Oh, you're so good at art." I always felt like a fraud. I felt like a gifted copier is what I felt like because I would draw my own uh, posters and stuff from my from the comics that I used. Yeah. And uh, I used to want a poster, and so I just drew it myself. And I what did you think you were going to grow up to be? I didn't know. To be honest, I, I wanted to join the Royal Air Force when I left school. And, yeah. Uh, I didn't have, I, I had, didn't have any math qualifications. I had no history. Uh, I had history, geography, art, um, but no, none of the sciences. And so it's funny how it all began. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I wanted to join the Royal Air Force, like I said, but I needed a math qualification and I was just lost for a little bit. There were a few weeks that I was very lost, and then all of a sudden, my dad came home, and he said, uh, "I've just been playing golf with a with a, a guy who's just gotten married, and uh, his father-in-law owns an orthodontic laboratory, and they need an orthodontic apprentice." And off you go. <laughs> Friday at six o'clock after work, and I was I was horrified because I I was thinking this isn't me being a pilot, I, you know. I, What's that? And I said, what's, what's an orthodontic apprentice? I said, I don't know, son, but you bloody, bloody find out. Because you're <laughs> I love I, it. I was horrified. I was like, and so I showed up and, uh, at six o'clock after work and met the bosses. And I, I took my model tanks just to show them that I... You can build and, things. Uh, yeah, I built things. I was creative and I got the job. Good for um, you. And then, uh, so I was an apprentice for five years and then I was... And that's where I learned. I had to go to college one day a week, five years, uh, from nine o'clock in the morning until nine o'clock at night, doing all the, the courses plus everything I didn't get at school physics, chemistry, applied medical science. Wow. You know, everything down to dental law, uh, math. Hey, that took two years. I got it. And, uh, and so I was a bit of a late bloomer in that regard. I I wanted to join the Air Force too, but they wouldn't let me fly, so I didn't. Well, it, it was sad because a friend said to me, you know, Royal Air Force, you want to join David doesn't exist anymore. It's from the 40s and 50s, this is system planning. And he was right, and I, I felt gutted because it was like a dream that I'd had, and it was like, no. And so I didn't, I didn't settle into the dental technology for a couple of years, really. I just did it, and then all of a sudden, you know, and I, I got decent grades. And then yeah. Second, I got better grades, and I, and I had my math qualification, and then it was well, do I go back to the careers office to the Royal Air Force with my math qualification? Or shall I apply myself and actually start trying to be good at this? Because I think I'm good at this. And so I did. And that's what happened. And my grades went up. And then after that, um, I was able to go to Manchester University and get my advanced qualification. And that's another story. Well, you know what? I think Brenda's really happy you did because she's got an amazing prosthetic from you. The, you know, it's really interesting how, how we all get to where we are and how we all end up meeting at a certain, you know, conjecture in life. But I'm hoping that people take real inspiration from your story. I know that they will. I know that they will, Brenda, from your attitude, from just how you show up in the world. And David, you know, from your work ethic and how, you know, you know that you have to apply. Each one is different. Each one is unique. Each one needs the same amount of attention, which, you know, is a really great attitude to have as well. So I think you guys are, both of you are really pretty amazing. You should be very proud of yourselves. Thank you. Yeah. The, now, when you paint, Brenda, I mean, you've got, how much vision do you have in, in your one eye? Um, I don't know how to describe that. I, I mean, I can give you the numbers, but it probably doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people. Can you see a sh- Can you see? Can you see the details in my face, or can you see so, that there's a shadow of a face? I, I can see your face and your glasses. I also have low vision, and then so my computer, I have to invert the colors. Okay. Um, white, and that is not my friend. Sure. So, um, and uh, I see bigger bolder things and i need contrast i uh, being monocular i don't have any depth perception so i use contrast you know so my pictures 
would tend to be more bold and, you know, larger. You know, the details aren't something that yeah. are really visual, visible to me. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, as an, I, as an artist myself, I'm not a very detailed painter. I like to really make it more loose, which is more difficult. Like Picasso said, you know, it, it takes you a lifetime to paint as a child, really, because it's very <laughs> difficult. It is. Yeah. It's very difficult to loosen yeah. and loosen and loosen it up, I think, anyway. Um, but, yeah, it, it's interesting. It's interesting how that all works. Now, if, if folks are listening to the show, you will remember Linda Todd is, is Brenda's niece, and she was yeah. on the show. She's also blind and axe-wielding, pistol-shooting, bike-riding, oh. mountain-climbing. <laughs> so, I think that's I mean, awesome. Look at you and your family. How incredible is that? Was she any, any help to you at all? Oh, Linda? Absolutely. Um, we are, um, how was I can, uh, a support systems for each other, you know, yeah. we share information. Um, you know, if I wanted to know certain things, like she's made all these connections, you know, and I've moved to a new community. So, you know, I'm on the phone and, you know, tapping in at all her resources and applying them to, for myself, you know, um, information, you know, and information is, yeah wow, worth its weight in gold, you know, to find and build and um, develop interests, yeah. you know, like I'd love to go shoot a pistol. <laughs> I keep telling her I'm going to do that one day. You she, know, she's I, a total adrenaline junkie. Yeah. Total yeah. adrenaline junkie. Yeah. Yeah. Good for her. That's what she says. You know, yeah. as I said to her, where do you find this? She goes, I see it advertised and I sign up for it. And I'm going, well, I like that. I love how she's in a documentary to, to, to throw an ax. <laughs> <laughs> to yeah, teach people how to throw axes. I mean, that's, that's brilliant, really. <laughs> so, David, do you just do neck up? Prosthetic? Is there another unit that does fingers, toes, yeah, legs? And the, the harder silicons, and it's, a, it's another skill set altogether. Uh, but but so they're in Sunnybrook? Yes, they are. They're in, over in Ewing in Skill, which is uh, SCIL, the Sunnybrook uh, Center for Independent Living. Okay. And, uh, and they do the smarter prosthetics, which is uh, hands and feet, arms and legs. But is it? Just strictly pretty much head and neck. But there's no time limit. I mean, if somebody said, you know what? I've been without this for 10 years. I think I'm ready to go get one. <laughs> it's like, um, like I often say, you know, these things uh, sometimes just, the timeline isn't always there. It's not equal for everyone. And oftentimes, people will go without a prosthesis. Uh, it's, a, it's a big curve, you know, they're, they're going through the anger and the upset, yeah. and then you come through to the recovery. And, uh, and once they, they may just become okay with themselves and, and, and happy until they come to a crossroads in their life, and such as. Uh, Starting a new school, starting a new university, moving house, a new career, um, meeting some a new significant other, um, getting married, whatever it may be, and uh, all of a sudden, where it never seemed to matter before, all of a sudden becomes an issue, and they think, "I want a fresh start," and and that's when they come to it. Yeah. Sometimes it's a process as well to get through that anger and, and to the point where uh, they don't have such a, a hard attitude to the world and they find an inner peace and then they just think, you know what? Yeah, I think, or they just get tired of the questions from strangers. Yes. They're walking up and, you know, they have a pack on their eye and people, you hear it all the time, the same old trope. What's wrong with your eye? You know, from a stranger, somebody just walks up. People are unbelievable sometimes, aren't they? I hear it so many times where a stranger will walk up and say, "Did you hit? Did your boyfriend hit you? You know, did you hit him back?" You know, it's anybody else's business. You know, but uh, it's you know. I don't think that they mean harm, but it's just curious. And children stare often. Some you know, I, I yeah. Think, uh, people get tired of being looked at by by the children in church. Sure. That's a natural curiosity. Yeah. It's not a morbid curiosity. Children, they approach it, the curiosity from a different place. Yes. Curiosity, and they're trying to figure out in their mind what it is they're trying to understand. But uh, adults are more morbid and nosy. They are nosy. I mean, even even when I took my kids out, people go, are those all your kids? I'm like, why would I take other people's kids out with me? It's hard enough. (laughs) People just want to go about their business. Yeah, yeah. 
fly under the radar. Uh, but we did have a patient, who, a lovely old lady, who uh, I made her a prosthesis. Um, and it looked beautiful. And yet she wouldn't wear it when she was going around the, 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 the supermarkets and stuff because she couldn't see on, on her right side. And she would knock trolleys into people or bump into somebody. And people would turn around and say, well, why don't you look where you're going? But she can't see. You see? Jeez. And, and they're unforgiving for that. Whereas if she wore a patch, just a, a white a four by four with a piece of tape, and they bump into it, they turn around and say, you know, what, watch where you go. And they go, ooh. And oh, so sorry. Yeah. yeah. And apologetic. What a different perspective, isn't it? Yeah. Have you had anybody be, be cruel or mean to you, my dear? No. No? People Good. Nosy. I would agree with that. And um, everybody's in a rush and in a hurry. And people are like, we were in Toronto yesterday. And I had my white cane. One guy almost tripped over it. You know, they're looking down at technology. And, you know, I, I get banged into and whatnot. And it's just very distracted. But um, I do like to carry my cane, my identity cane, because... You know, if somebody's rushing or cutting you through, you know, my husband and I are at a concert and some guy, you know, they're bulldozing over in these crowds. And I mean, if I lose them, I can't find them. And then he looks yeah. up and looks at my face. Oh, okay. Sorry. You know, so it's sort of at times like to have the markers. Yes. Yes. Um, to, uh, to get, you know, the acknowledgement that, you know, no, I'm not being rude. You know, I don't see you, you know? Right. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I find that, yeah, people are in a hurry and, you know, they often you get tripped over and stuff and banged into. Well, I think we come to the end of our show. Um, I'm gonna, is there anything that either of you wanted to say that we didn't cover? Anything that you'd like to tell the public? No? No. Okay. Think, well, I think you did an amazing job. Well, you can always find us on the web and, and look up at you know, what we do. Because if we're doing our jobs well, most people have never heard of anaplastology. Right. Um, your facial prosthetic unit and uh, most people you know when they've been told you, you're going to have your eye removed your nose removed they're absolutely they're beyond mortified right they're, they're bereft at the, at the news and they don't know that uh, that there is social rehabilitation so what would have to happen would a family doctor have to do put a request into yep. who yep. to sunnybrook to somebody at your unit the cpu unit or to the doctor all it needs that's all that's all anybody needs they just need a referral and they can come on in and we can assess them for whatever it is they need and perfect services here I mean, you know and there's psychological services as well you know i mean i'm not a, a trained psychologist but uh you know you do you do need to have a good listening technique sure communication what have you um but for, for many some people not not in general but for some people they don't have anyone to talk to and it's not like you know you, you blow your acl in your knee you know you know somebody in your circle of family and friends who you can speak to about that right how's the knee replacement for you oh it's this you know you don't know, know anyone in your circle of family and friends who has had a knee removed or an eye removed you don't know what questions to ask the search engine and and so they can often feel very isolated and in the old days, you know, I said the old days, 1980s and 90s, people would become reclusive, socially reclusive. Sure. And uh, and that's not the case these days. You know, we, you know, people get they get their prosthesis, they come to us, and it's like I always say, you know, this unit is in a busy corridor, uh, and you know, everyone sees our patients coming in. You know, they've got the bandages here and there, and they, everyone sees them waiting in the atrium, and they're they're coming and going. Uh, through the day but nobody ever sees them leave because we have social workers down our corridor we have dietitians down our corridor we've got uh, um we have psychosocial services um and there's a steady stream of regular folk and they just blend right in and they walk straight out and nobody knows each other. and if we're doing our jobs right that's just how it should be yeah it's yeah. nice to have a little exposure to to what we do here because most people have never heard of us and that's yeah it's a good thing hopefully nobody you know needs it but if you do need it thank god that you you're there to to help them with that and and brenda i think that you know you said it's not life-saving but it is life-changing oh absolutely quality of life absolutely you know bruises fade, scars you know look over you know the blood will stop but what's what's over it you know and all that's healed and done is your quality of life and you need the resources and you need the information yeah and it's 
there for you and the services that, you know, um, that we can provide just to maintain and continue, you know, with the quality of life, even if you have to make little changes, I just consider them new experiences and new adventures. Good for you. Thank you. <laughs> well, Facebook people, we are saying adieu. Uh, we will see you another day. But, um, oh, actually, guys, this is my last show. I'm going on hiatus for the summer. Unless I meet somebody absolutely exceptional, I'll have to come back and interview <laughs> them. But I got a granddaughter coming in July, so I want to take some time and, and spend with her. So we will see you in the fall. Thank you. I'm going to get off Facebook now, and we'll go back over to our other, our other side. <laughs>